Hello, and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today, I really am really quite happy to have this guest with me. I met her recently on a trip that I did in Cape Town, and I must tell you, we were kindred spirits. The moment I met her, I felt as though it was one of my oldest friends reconnecting. So it's my pleasure today to introduce you all to Berna Daly, who is the CEO of ERA Real Estate in South Africa. Berna, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Thank you so much, Michael, for this opportunity. I am really, really well, and what a privilege to be speaking to you. You are such a doll. It was, uh, as I said in the, in the beginning, when I first met you, I felt as though I knew you my entire life. We had such a lovely meeting, a great, great lunch, and really just, uh, you have an amazing spirit, and I'm very much looking forward to our conversation today. Well, Michael, I almost missed my plane because <laughs> I was having such a great time. <laughs> So, yes, I was, I think, the last person on board. So, um, it was just, I think, maybe we are, or we were both reincarnated from a previous life. So, it was wonderful to, to connect in this one. I and think the wine was very good. Time, right? The wine and the conversation were really, really good. <laughs> See, when, wine is, when, when there's wine involved, anything goes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Berta, why don't you tell our listeners how you got started in the business? Oh, Michael, well, as they say in the classics, life happens. You know, in South <laughs> Africa, historically, kids do not dream of becoming real estate agents. In fact, when I grew up, I was a bookworm, I was an academic, my father was a university professor, I believe my parents would have probably sent me for psychoanalysis if I told them I wanted to be in real estate, they would have had my head read. I was always interested in property though, and I bought my first property soon after I graduated from university. So yeah, it was, it was always a, um, a, a thing I liked. But I got married uh, to a very wealthy man. And as we together moved up on the real estate ladder, I learned loads of lessons from him, specifically relating to real estate and building a property portfolio. That's terrific. At, at, yeah. at what point did you then enter the, the business side of it in learning uh, from, your, from your husband and what you did with your personal investments? You see, Michael, that is why life is a journey, not a destination. So when it's I got true. divorced, almost 20 years later, I moved away from my hometown where I was born, bred and very, very well known to a, a small town on the other side of the country. Basically, people jokingly call it a suburb of Zimbabwe, close to the border of Zimb Zimbabwe. My sister was living there at the time and I needed a support system because my daughters were respectively 15 and 14 and my son was only two years old. And my daughter's friend, whose mother had recently passed away, a little black girl, she came with me. South Africa at the time was a very racist country. And I started off in real estate professionally with three black, after three whites and my one black kid. 
And people, a divorce, a divorce real estate agent, people treated me really badly. I chose real estate though, because in that time there were really no proper opportunities for earning a good living. And I needed to earn good money. And real estate gives you that scope. So I started there and I sold houses. I worked harder and wiser and well, I got my foothold there and I learned so much from my customers, from the people I met, awesome, awesome people. Because at that time also, black ownership of property in this country, was it was new to them. And that is, it, it, it's still fairly new to a massive chunk of our population. And that's how I, I started in this business. Now that is, that's fascinating, Verna. Think about this. You leave, you know, your safe haven, you get divorced, you move with your children to an area you don't know, and you just have to survive. I mean, what an amazing spirit where you actually go and say, there's no, there's no choice. There's no safety net. I just have to succeed. That that spirit is is a contagious and and b so admirable. It is amazing that you started and built that. How long did it take you to then say, okay, I've got a viable business here. This is uh, this is now working, and this is my career. What period of time did that take for you, Michael? I'm a bit of a instant gratification idiot i i i'm going to coin that one <laughs> captain of the titanic fuck the iceberg full speed it's full speed ahead kind of kind of thing yes. i didn't have the luxury you know to sit and think uh, i'm going to build this massive business from day one i knew i had to make money i wanted to give my children a good life i didn't want them to feel I took you away from all of what you had and what you were. Sure. So I knocked in the boards. I look a little bit of it was anger management. You know, I not, my, was maybe a particular head that was getting <laughs> But that, that was also all good. <laughs> Translated well in the end. So I, I, I'd say about, not about, exactly three months after I started, I did most good sales in the country for the franchise group that I was working for. So in a little town, I just started, I put my head down and I really did the basics. I canvassed like hell. I knocked in boards. I did, I knocked door to door. A, 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 a big bird bull, which is a big breed of a dog, a killer dog bit me. I had more than 180 stitches. I got up and I what? carried on. Yes, yes. Oh my I was God. Like, I thought the thing was going to kill me. I, I, it, was, it was actually the most afraid I've been in my life was that day. And it was a, 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 a terrible thing. I, it's not explicable. And how the, the owner of the dog treated me, she didn't want to put me in a car because of my, the perception with myself, with a, with a black child, you know, and who I am. And it was, that's also when I saw 
who and what people are. They, they don't judge you for your integrity or who you are. They judge you by their perceptions. Wow. And it was definitive because after that in my life, I will, I will never judge people. I will never judge, period, you know, because you do not know. Until you know, you do not know. And yes, it was tough, but I would say six months into my, my stay in that, in that town, I knew that real estate called me and I answered. And I have got a job here because my customers, my clients who came to me, many of them wanted to rent. They came, they earned good money at the time, a, a black upcoming middle class in South Africa, but they didn't come from ownership. So they didn't understand. They would rather buy a fancy car and rent for a, a fancy house for less than it would um, uh, cost them to buy. Sure. But they wouldn't create wealth through renting, you know. But, but they looked at people seeing them in town in their fancy BMW. So they would rather invest in that. So, yeah. Anyway, so I, I, I saw myself in a, in a situation where I had the ability to change people's lives, to change their families' lives, to change their livelihoods. You know, you've said so many incredible things just now. And I'm going to really make sure that our listeners had some of these words of wisdom because you are, Brenda, you're amazing. I mean, you know, it was like we don't know each other that well, but as I said, we connected so incredibly. And it doesn't matter if you're in Cape Town or Connecticut, the idea of basic real estate doesn't change. You started canvassing your neighborhood. You started door knocking. But then what I think is extraordinary for, with you is your spirit. You were, were, were attacked by a dog. Hopefully not the same dog that's in your background right now. But, it's like, but he is in this story as well. So. Sorry about that. Those are my don't, be, don't be silly. It just makes our podcast that much more real. It's wonderful. <laughs> but 180, 180 stitches. 180, 180 stitches. Um, it, went, it went for my throat, you see. So I tried to protect it with my hands, and it ate my hands, and I tried to kick it. And I was a, 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 a world ultra marathon a top 10 ultra marathon runner. So I was, you know, running was always my thing. And this, 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 this uh, after that, I was so scared to run. It was just this thing that shook my world. It shook my foundations, you know. But you, you, never came, think back. you came back strong and you came back and it, 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 it it's, it's interesting. It's, um, this is why you're such an extraordinary um, person. You came back and it didn't sort of say, you know, I'm not going to do real estate anymore. A dog just attacked me as I was door knocking. But you came back and you actually said, I just, you know, I can't control other people's judgment. You're judged by somebody else's perceptions. And the only thing you can control 
is what you have and what your reaction is. And, you know, you came back with just the fact that you are doing work that is changing people's lives is what you said. And that to me is, is, is extraordinary. You have the spirit that came in and said, this, this is, you had blinders on, this is it. I am just going to succeed in this and no dog bite or 180 stitches are going to stop me from this. I am actually, you know, it seems as though you were more resilient after that to just reach those goals. You're totally correct. That, that incident, if anything, galvanized my determination to show the people whose dog bit me, to right. show them who I am, and to show them that who they are and who they, th who they think they are and who they are, are worlds apart. And mm. it's very ironic. Because a couple of months later, they wanted to be my new best friends. When they decided, when I saw, you know, where I was going. And then, in all fairness, they were not my people. I would rather uh, uh, socialize with my customers, you know, from the outlying parts in Toyando. We just moved into this town, bought a little house, and all of a sudden realized something they never in their wildest dreams even aspired to because they didn't know about owning a property. It was like opening and showing them a magic carpet ride. When I sat and I explained to them, if you buy a house and this house you keep, and I remember a woman, she was a magistrate in Toyando, a, a black lady, Mrs. Lebesi, and she had a, a son and a daughter. And she was looking also for a house to rent in town. And I said to her, but you shouldn't rent, you, you can buy. And she ended up buying this house. And I still, when my customer's house is registered, I always took them a gift. So I made a chicken pie. I saw her recently, she moved to Pretoria, she's an advocate now, and she contacted me when she wanted a house here, and I said to her, um, how's your son? And she said, he's at university now, and she said, he still wants that recipe for the, for the chicken pie, you know? But, she, but I was explaining to her, with the, even the diet of the chicken pie, I said to her, this house, you will sell this house one day, and you will buy a bigger house. And it will be for your children. Every little thing, as you pay it off now, you've got something. It's not rental you pay to somebody else. This is for your children. And it was exactly that. She ended up buying investment properties. She put her children to university with that money. And she left the, 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 the state and become, like I said, an advocate for herself. And it was just, you know, Michael, it makes, that to me is what it's all about. It's mm. not about the commission. It's not about the quick buck. It is about when we sell a house, it, a house is so much more. To most people, it is their biggest investment ever. I live in Africa and in South Africa where there was so much injustice. It's almost, it's something you, you if you do not realize it, you're a fool because you've got to give back. 
You have to. Who are you? You, <laughs> you are extraordinary. There is, you know, the greatest, um, the greatest people in our profession that I know that are so successful don't come at this from the idea that I want to be successful. They come to it from a spirit of service and humility. And those are the most successful people that I know, including you. And it's just beautiful to really see that from someone that lives it and, and really has that as the spirit of what they do and the center of what they do in their business. The idea that you're educating the people around you, that you're saying, I want to give you a better life. I want to show you how to be able to give your children the gift of education. I want to give you the gift of being able to elevate your life and, you know, to really sort of serve from that level of humility is so beautiful that I really commend who you are. Well, thank you, Michael. But that's truly, that is my belief system, you know. I know it if is. You, money, money is, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful servant, but it must be a terrible boss. The moment it's the boss, you've got problems. I think people yeah. in, 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 in business today, you can be cut, cut throat. Real estate agents in South Africa, I think it's a, it's a worldwide thing, do not have a good name. You know, it's, it's well, in South Africa specifically, I mean, you, you historically didn't need a lot of qualifications to enter into real estate. But it is, it's that vulture mentality that that will build you a short-time empire, which will be like all empires, it will fall down. Absolutely. But it will never translate to legacy, in, and it won't. You know, I always say to people that you don't want to be a transactional agent. You want to be a generational advisor. And it's really the idea that you want to make sure that whomever you are dealing with in our business and in your, in your everyday today business, you do it so that they have a better life, so that not only are they your clients, but their children are your clients. And you make a difference in someone's life. And that really is the greatest payment that you can't put on a spreadsheet. I love that. I love that term you use, a generational advisor, because that's what it's about. It's about something that continues down right. the generations. Yes. That's right. Berna, you're so spiritual. You really are so centered. Where does that come from? Michael, I think that, yeah, that's a very good question, actually, because, you know, my father um, was a Springbok rugby captain and coach, and he was a professor of philosophy. Now, you know, they always joke, they say if the philosopher plays golf, he doesn't ask where did the ball fall. He asks, is the ball actually really here? Did we just hit it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
was it a bull that we hit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what was it? So that was quite a, 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 an unusual, but a very powerful combination to grow up being mentored by this man who was this physical big Springbok lock forward captain, but who was also this very pensive person. I was um, a, a small child, I don't think I was eight yet, and I could, there's a Dutch philosopher called Dweviet who had 15 modalities in time. And I think before I was eight, I could recite the 15 modalities. So that was certainly, you know, my father taught me that without a firm spiritual anchor, translating into a principled belief system, and then the discipline to abide thereby. Those wow. three things, you know, that discipline needed to come with it. Nothing good or positive will ever prevail in your life. The spiritual anchor, the principal belief system, and the discipline to abide by it all. As Deepak Chopra said, religion is belief in somebody else's experience. Spirituality mm. is having your own experience. And our lives are only ever a series of choices. In the end, that is what will define us. That is how we will be remembered by our children, by their children, by our friends, by the loved ones. The Mother Teresa said it best though. If you have time to judge others, you won't have time to love them, you know? Right. We, we need to choose what we, what, we, what we trust. We need to choose truth and love. Or we will be forever entangled in darkness, doubt, desperation, you name it. It's a choice. And that's, yeah, that's, I think that's where, that's where it all started. And it certainly evolved. And with my father passing on the 6th of January this year, a year ago, it intensified. All he taught me, it became, when he left, it became more poignant because I know it's true, because it prevails. Didn't die with him. You know, it's such... A beautiful sentiment, and, and I'm sorry for your loss. I know we've spoken about it in, in, in the past. And to have that guide, if you will, somebody who was such an athlete, but then such a thinker to be a professor of philosophy and to instill in you at such an early age those three beliefs, which I think is so beautiful, the spiritual anchor, the belief system, and more importantly, the discipline to be able to, to manifest that. Um, it's a great gift to have had that so young and to really be that um, the, the, the bedrock of how you lived your life so early on says a lot about the success that you've achieved. Well, the, 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 the thing in my life is I never think of myself as a massive success. I think of myself as a, 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 
a work in progress kind of thing. I try and be better, you know, it's a new year. There's another 365 opportunities of which um, 18 and a little bit are gone already to be better than last year, just to be the best in the moment at, 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 at what I can be in a stupid situation instead of losing your temper or, or being, being impatient to try the PPK, patient, pleasant, kind, you know, just to, <laughs> just to be, be, be a better person. I mean, really, also in business. I mean, we've got really in this country currently so many challenges. I think worldwide economies are under pressure. You know, there was all this big drama recently with, 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 uh, politically speaking, in the Middle East, it's not plain sailing. But in South Africa, our challenges are also historic in nature, and we're still addressing those. But we deal in real estate, and real estate, our core business is residential real estate. That is an emotion. It's people, it's homes, it's caring. And I believe in that. I believe in my agents, my network, they invest back in their communities because it's not selling a house to people. It's looking after those people as well. Making sure they know that house is an asset, making sure that you know that you do the best for your client, that they know what it's all about, that you don't put them in debt, that you advise them about, about what they can achieve through, the, uh, 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 through, through real estate. Real estate is an empowerment tool. So here's your humility at play again. And let me be the one to hold up the mirror to your success. You are you're actually are one of the most successful female CEOs in South Africa. It's a, and that's a huge statement. Um, South Africa, as you were alluding to, has some uh, very colorful and interesting history, shall we say. And for you to be such a successful CEO of a global brand in your country, it's probably not an easy journey to have gotten there. Tell me some of the challenges that you faced in order to get to the position you hold today. <laughs> my, yeah, my you God. find that funny? <laughs> I find it hilarious. <laughs> you, you hit the nail on the head, eh? On the head. South Africa is a very, very, um, yeah, it's we, uh, Bit of a previously disadvantaged country. I think in most countries, women are still possibly at a disadvantage when it comes to rising in business. South Africa is certainly no exception. And the real estate business in South Africa is no exception. It was historically absolutely dominated by white middle-aged men. And they oozed chauvinism. And that is the pond, if I can call it that, it should more, be more like the shark tank that I was thrown into. You know? 
you know, it's like, yeah, the, but it's, uh, I think I became a bit like the, the joke about the lawyers. What happened to the lawyer that uh, was thrown into the shark tank? He ate six sharks because they, they could save the rest. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think I became a bit like that. You learn to sort of fight your way up without appearing to fight, <laughs> if, if I can put it to you that way. You sit there in the corner and you are very, very humble and very, but when the moment comes, then you just drop the bombshell about, because it's very often, it's male egos, you know. Um, you male, you, you remember the day I saw you, I said, yes, I'm so relieved. You don't look like a typical American, I don't know, what I was expecting. <laughs> I was probably expecting I took that as a great compliment, actually. Who looks like he's going to talk to me in billions and talk to little African and network women. But um, yeah, you certainly not at all like that. You uh, quite the opposite. So <laughs> yeah, but it was it was really. Um, in 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 this country, uh, I must say it was a it was a it was a journey. In in the in my uh, to be a CEO to be in real estate, even if I go to the meetings with the banks and the big uh, uh, get-togethers, um, it is there's always a perception you're a woman, and you you must. I'm sensitive to that, but I'm not oversensitive to that. I'll sure. In say my thing. And then it doesn't take long, and they see. Look, she's not. Um, it's not about the high heels and the the uh, the red lipstick. It is. Um, I I hold my own. I was blessed to be able to slowly work my way up, and prove my mettle to my directors. I certainly did pay my school fees, probably more than the men who got promoted over me. Uh, but in the end, it all turned out well, and it it's integrity, and that prevails. So yes, they my directors afforded me the opportunity, and I thank them because I and I'll, I'll I'm committed to making them proud. And you already have, you know, it's the analogy you use the shark analogy, but. I think a, a more appropriate one, since we're talking about South Africa and, you know, a country that's surrounded by so many animals, I actually sort of think of it as you're being dropped in an area that you're surrounded by wolves and you ended up leading the wolf pack as you come out. And it's one of those images that uh, your spirit is so strong that that really is what I think you've achieved in in the business in really becoming such a successful CEO that is admired and revered. And you know, you are also a great teacher and motivator, as we touched upon already in this conversation. And you care so much about not only the people that you deal with and their um, and their wealth, but also your agents you really care about the success of your agents. Is that really, you know, what are the secrets that you've had to your success? Because it's just literally, it's pretty basic. You just really care about other people. Um, Michael, 
I believe that passion for whatever it is that you do, combined with discipline, um, make a person good at whatever they do. I mean, you can think of anything. Think of sports. Think of think of chefs. Think of if people love what they do and they care about the people they do it for, and they have the discipline to apply themselves. Then you it. But it, it, it's also, you, you, people pretend to care. I mean, we live in a very pretentious society. You've mm. got to act a certain way. You've got to look a certain way. You've got to say certain things. And, and that's just a lot of bullshit. I think, end of the day, I learned very tough lessons in life. I read profusely. To connect with people and to be able to teach and motivate them, you have to listen to them. And you have to address their needs. People like to talk. We all like to be important. It is, it's, what would I say? It's, it's nice to be important, but it's much more important to be nice. Because you've got to listen to people and you've got to address, the, it's about their needs, not yours. My agents, I mean, it's so tough to be an agent today. Really, it's, it's I was an agent, the dog bit me, the woman who wouldn't want to put me in a car. I've, I've walked, I've talked to talk, I've walked to walk, I've been there. There are loads of things that could motivate people. Money, love, success, family, ambition, to know but a few. It'll never be one single factor, but it's always a combination or rather a combination that becomes a driving force in a person's life. One weighs it up and one measures its by its worth by your own moral compass. Money itself, like I said, is a servant. It's not a, it's a terrible boss. And many agents, especially in tough economic climates, become desperate. And I've seen it with some of my agents that make terrible mistakes. And that is when you need to be there for them. You need to ground them. And you need to take them back to basics. And you need to take them back to their core values. Because I believe in the good in people. It is, it, it's there, you know. Sometimes it gets obscured, like a cloud in front of the sun. But it's whether you will be there for them. Like people need support in their tough times. And in a way, the same applies to raising children. Uh, that's what, what a parent. What is a parent other than a life teacher? Yeah. As they grow up, kids don't do what we say. They do what they see us do. And as a CEO, it's the same. My agents are, in a way, like my children. I take them from grassroots, I still do some of the basic training with them myself because, myself, because I need them to subscribe to the moral compass. Otherwise, they're not my agents. They are just agents. And they're, sometimes, they're rogues. It's not what it's about. It's, 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 I've got a family mentality. Even at my, my annual um, awards, at my quarterly recognition, uh, awards, I make sure that there's always, I, I recognize that brand ambassador, that person that plows back into his community. You know, you just gave, you just broke it down so simply and beautifully. Passion and discipline equals success. And you look at your agent like you would your own children. And I think that that to me is the greatest secret of any success. You really are the person who is 
leading somebody in this journey. And you know, it, it, it's uh, you and I have had these these conversations, and I think that the whole idea of my starting this podcast, for example, is to really try to motivate others in the conversations that we're having. I think the greatest um, gift, as we've said, is to help others. And the idea of coming in and changing somebody's life. I mean, I remember one of the, um, one of the agents that I was mentoring, um, he was somebody who worked tirelessly and um, was still at an average sales price that was significantly low. And he had a mindset that he couldn't get into the luxury market. And so his price point was about 300,000. And after I worked with him, his price point was well over a million. And he invited me to his wedding. And I was the only non-family member there. And I felt a little bizarre and weird being there. And I said to him, why did you invite me? And he said, this wouldn't have happened without you. And you just don't know how to digest something like that because you, you just come from a place of service that when you realize that you change somebody else's life, it's, it, it, you know, it, it's almost like you don't know how to, to compartmentalize that and you just you don't know how to answer sometimes but that makes all the difference in the world um what you said there this guy that you mentored who goes from a three hundred thousand to over a million and at the wedding you are the only non-family member i think at that point you know it's another definition of family yeah because Yes, exactly that. You've become family because what you've given him in terms of being a mentor, a father in a spiritual sense, you know, in leading him as a father should. That is is what it, in the end, Michael, I mean, we're all going to eventually pass on into another dimension. And that is, I'm not being airy-fairy, but that is what it's all about. Sure. It's about that, that, what, that you, you, you're leaving that, not leaving it behind, but you, you've given, you've empowered a person. He got married. You probably put him in a situation where he was able to marry and provide, you know, according to the way he wants to provide. Sure. That is, that is such, it's a gift. So, so that's exa- exactly, yeah. it's a gift and it's a gift that, you know, you do so beautifully with your agents and it's just something that I just love to see. And, you know, I, we've had such a, such a great discussion and I want to ask you, you talked about lessons. We talked about lessons that you learned lessons that you that helped sort of guide you to where you are, some of the struggles to get to where you are today as the CEO. Um, but what's the greatest lesson you learned from one of your failures? Well, Michael, of course, when, well, it's, it, it's tough. 
I certainly learned that failure is not a dead end street. It's not the cul-de-sac. It's a learning curve yeah. on the way to success. You know, it's that old story. You get knocked down seven times, you get up eight. That it's cliches. I've also learned as I got older that many cliches are cliches because it's so true. Sure. Um, you you have new opportunities to you, you you. Well, you know, first thing, the one thing I can never I can never change, and it's sad to me, is that my marriage failed, and that is the the sad sadness that it lingers. It's still it will always linger because. I think any parent wants to give the children the wholeness, the kids, the wholeness of their lives, which if you're divorced, it's never there, but you have to make peace with it in a way. And then the first, the first, the first, I can always say point of entry in making peace is accepting responsibility and accountability that no matter how, how you, what you might've thought, you had a part in in, in failure, it's part of who I am caused the failure of a marriage. And I, you have to face up to that. And then you have to try and be better. It's, could I have done things differently? Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe, 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 you know. <laughs> but you can't, it's, you, can't, you can't give up. You have to accept it. And then you have to, and I go to Edith Piaf's beautiful song. Je ne regrette rien. You know, I'm a Francophile. I regret nothing. It rings true. Regrets translate to sadness. And sadness translates to paralysis. And I don't believe in paralysis. Because it's, it's senseless. I believe in movement. I believe in moving on. So whilst failures are bad, it must lead you to renew your focus, to lessons learned and energy spent on moving forward, not looking back. Learn from it, be better, be accountable, accept. I'm not a victim. I had a part in that. Take responsibility and move on and be better. Lessons learned. And that's how I see it, Michael. You know, I, I, I love how you, you think, and I love how you piece things together and things move to something else. And I love that regrets add, lead to sadness and sadness leads to paralysis. You know, it reminds me of the, um, the famous quote by, um, by Edison, saying, you know, I didn't fail. I just found 10,000 ways that didn't work. And <laughs> it, it's true, isn't it? It's, it's sort of like, imagine if it's, you know, and, and, and that is something that is monumental when you keep failing at something that you're trying to do. And yet that singular sort of vision of your goal is so strong that you cannot be deterred. And it's truly that. It's the idea that regrets leads to sadness, which leads to paralysis. And you just can't. You just have to keep moving. And, you know, there was, um, uh, there's, there's something that I always say about, uh, about the word like emotion 
correct? And so if the E in that emotion is every excuse that you give yourself not to do something. But if you get rid of the excuses, all that's left in that word is motion. You're and right. you move. Oh, that's lovely. Do you know what I mean? And it's, oh. it's, it's something that it just empowers you and you just need to keep moving. And so when you, when you get the E out of emotion, you just are left with motion. Wow. Michael, that is so beautiful. It's, you know, the, 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 what you said there, that, those excuses and motion. I always think of the ocean, you know, look at the ocean. Whenever I'm really, really feel like I'm spinning into a depression, I go down to the ocean. And if you look at the waves, it never stops. It never stops. You can't sit and watch the ocean and stay depressed. It's impossible. Right. Because it just keeps moving and washing up and cleaning and replenishing itself, you know. And you see the white, the white, little white. Uh, the white yeah. um, Yes. And it's just so beautiful. And it keeps moving. And it's the ultimate symbol of life. And that's that motion. Without yeah. the ease in it. No excuses. The ocean must some days not feel good, but it never dies down. That's right. And that's ultimate life. Uh, re, just uh, uh, replenishing itself. And it's, I, I love that. I love that. And it's Emotion. constant. It's true, isn't constant. it? It's constant. constant. Yes. Constant. No, amazing. Yeah. So, Berna, what's the five-year goal? Well, Michael, I must say. <laughs> that's a, always a, a tough question. In five years' time, uh, I <gasps> just want to be content. Content is a big word for me. I'm not, I don't do contentment that well. I want to be content that I've done my very best to grow my ERA network and to empower my people. When I started in this business, and specifically when I became the CEO of ERA, our network, our agents, this industry was not representative of our South African demographics at all. My, I inherited a lily white network. There was no diversity in terms of color and creed. And, um, South Africa, we can talk about our history. It's not relevant, actually, but, but it, well, it is relevant, but it's not uh, necessarily productive to go back. But only white people could own property in, until 1994, and people of color did not come from property ownership. So you can imagine how tough it is for people of color to enter into this as a business. Just to mm. buy a house for them is a big step, you know? Sure. Now they become agents. Now they become an agent say, Michael, it's so bad that they don't even know about something like um, rights and taxes because they only ever paid for their water and electricity usage because they didn't own, their grandparents didn't own, their parents didn't own the house. They, they were tenants. 
So it's, it's the, the work is massive in terms of that. Transformation and getting ERA South Africa to be reflective of our country. My network must be reflective of the people, the communities we represent. And I can tell you what, I actually on Friday I had my principals forum and a, 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 last year, July, I flew down to Durban and I met up with a black lady from Impangeni, Richards Bay, which is in the rural KZN area. And she, her big dream, she started working there for a white uh, independent woman, Renee Becker, who helped her and empowered her a little bit, but didn't want it to go on her own. And Chiliwe uh, contacted me and she said, she wrote me this heartfelt letter about she uh, always wanting to have her own business. And this girl, you know, it's a, she's young, she's in her early 30s and she just expressed her heart to me. And I said to her, listen, I'm not even going to, I'm not even, I'm flying down, I want to meet up with you and I want you to have your own business. And I, you, you, I, I will entrust you with a franchise and we will help you from head office, we'll mentor you. We have you a principal because she must sell you an NQA5. She's just done her logbook and she did her whole NQA4 and which you need in South Africa, it's academic qualifications. And she flew up for the forum on, on, on Friday and she sat there together with another uh, um, black lady who's managing one of our big offices now. And she's fantastic. Dudu was right here on my doorstep. Four years ago, she came into the network. And these people, you have no idea how talented they are. Well, they are rock stars, really, in terms of the, the personalities. It's, there's, there is just so much scope. And in five years' time, if I will arrive at that wonderful plane called contentment, which I don't quite still know what it means. I don't know if I'm going to sit there then and wear a big caftan and be happy. Stop <laughs> the block. <laughs> but then I will have a network that is much more um, representative of the people of my country and the people I, I, I want to empower. You know, that is, um, that, you know, there's a question that I always ask all of my guests and it's, um, you probably already answered it. And the question is what you would like your legacy to be. And the idea that you are dealing with a community, which is really extraordinary for a lot of the listeners to think about that you would not be able to purchase a home since 1994 if you were not white in South Africa. And to really only think that it's only been 25 years, one generation, really, that you have helped empower, that may be part of your answer, but is there anything else that you wanted to add to what you want your legacy to be, Berna? 
Michael, yes. A legacy is a big word, hey? Like I said, people build empires. Empires fall. The Greek Empire fell, the Roman Empire fell, the mightiest empires fall. Legacy is something that lasts. And in my case, I couldn't be arrogant enough to think that I could aspire to such a lofty ideal. But I would like, I would like to think that if I could leave a legacy, it would be for my ERA brokers and agents and our clients that really that ERA, the experience they left with, the value systems they left with, that it would be a better brand for all. Bigger in terms of merely numbers is not what I care about, really. It's not what it's about for me. Better in terms of service levels, in terms of ethics, in terms of teamwork, in terms of quality representation, in terms of the people in the network, caring and sharing by empowering and uplifting the communities which we serve, my agents, in our beautiful country. You know, we, like I said, we focus on residential real estate and that's the emotion. And as you so beautifully said it, the E is an excuse. The motion is about moving on and getting things done. And that's all about commitment. Commitment to being the best brand with every broker, every agent, and, and with myself. You know, I deal with so many complaints. The smallest little wrinkle complaint, it all comes to me because it's my brand and I care about this brand. So I think it starts with really wanting to be the best, not the second best, the best. You can only be the best you, Michael. That's, the, that's what you can be on any given day. So in any given situation, you know, you, we make mistakes, we people, and it's how we deal with those mistakes. So when I get that complaint, and I know this is an agent that made a mistake, then you need to eat humble pie, and you need to make sure that people are left knowing that this is a brand that cares and that is committed to being better. So I think from that, the legacy will then follow. I hope so, Michael. Berna, you know, your leadership has been extraordinary in, in the brand and in the country. And really with this conversation and getting to know you better, it really does personify why that is. And as you say, empires fall, but legacy lasts. Your legacy has already been written with what you've done and your caring and your spirit. And I must tell you, it's been an incredible honor to just have this conversation with you. And I thank you for the time and for the discussion today. Thank you, Michael. I cannot thank you enough for the opportunity and I cannot thank you enough for being you. Well, thank Bernard. you. Thank you. And to the listeners, thank you all for joining us today. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Thank you very much.